Welcome to day three of week five of our look through the book of Joshua. We're going to look at Joshua chapter 22 today, and it's an exciting chapter. It has a principle for receiving God's promises that might be surprising to you. If I'm going to live at home with God's promises, one of the things I have to do is I have to watch my words. Watch my words. I have to monitor my communications. If I don't, then the way that I talk actually can become an obstacle to receiving God's promises, to possessing God's promises in my daily life. Listen to this experience that they went through in chapter 22, and we're going to learn from the people of Israel how to actually watch our words. Some very practical, very practical tips for us today and how to talk in such a way that actually invites the possession of God's promises in my daily life. Here's the experience that happened, beginning down in verse 10 through verse 12. He's talking about the tribes of Israel, by the way, just a little background, that were on the other side of the Jordan. You might remember the three tribes of Israel on the other side of the Jordan. And here's what he says. When they came to Gelaloth near the Jordan in the land of Canaan, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh built an imposing altar there by the Jordan. And when the Israelites heard that they had built the altar on the border of Canaan at Gelaloth near the Jordan on the Israelite side, the whole assembly of Israel gathered at Shiloh to go to war against them. Now, they were thinking, they're, they're building this altar, they're all of a sudden building some altar, some false god. These three tribes, or two tribes and half tribes that are on the other side of the Jordan, they've already wandered away from the faith. You'd be surprised as we walk through this, we're going to find out that one of the major obstacles to receiving God's promise in our lives can be our mouths. What we say and what we listen to is all important to beginning to feel at home and live at home with God's promises. Consider just for a second how dramatically our words can affect God's promises. Our words can share God's promises. They can discourage God's promises. They can excite us about God's promises. They can turn us aside from God's promises. They can talk about the fulfillment of God's promises. They can obstruct God's promises. If we're to feel at home with God's promise, we have to watch our words, monitor our communications. And Israel gives us some very strong teaching about communicating in these, in these verses in this passage. Israel's going to teach us that we have to anticipate breakdowns, we have to avoid breakups, and we have to strive for breakthroughs in our communication. First, you have to anticipate breakdowns. Why? Because we're human beings, and we have breakdowns in our communication. And those breakdowns sometimes can discourage your Christian life. They can discourage your life of faith. They can discourage the promise of God right out of you. In this case, we see two common reasons why we have breakdowns, misinterpretation and separation misinterpretation. They didn't understand why they were building this altar. So it almost became a war. And we have misinterpretation all the time. Did she say what I thought she meant to say? Or did she mean to say what I thought she meant? We just can't get it right. Misinterpretation can get you into trouble fast. And added to that, we have separation. These were the tribes on the other side of the Jordan. They weren't able to talk to each other, communicate with each other all the time. The fact that they were separated contributed greatly to the problem. And we live separate lives in many ways. We live in separate bodies. We come out of separate backgrounds. We look at life from separate perspectives. And all of these differences can conspire to destroy our communications. And when our communications are destroyed with fellow believers, it can be very destructive to the living out of God's promise in your daily life. You get stuck on the battle with a fellow believer instead of encouraging each other to live out God's promises. So that's why it's important to 
not just anticipate breakdowns, but number two, to avoid breakups. It's, it's all too easy to write other people off. And if we do, we just cut off all the strength that we need for living out God's purposes in our lives. Israel did a couple of things here that declared how important it is to avoid breakups. First, they went to these tribes that they were angry with. Verses 13 and 14, listen to what happened. So the Israelites sent Phinehas of Eleazar the priest to the land of Gilead, to Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. With him they sent ten of the chief men, one for each of the tribes of Israel, each the head of a family division among the Israelite clans. So they all go and they all ask the question. Down in verse 16, the whole assembly of the Lord says, how could you break faith with the God of Israel like this? So instead of just starting a war, they go to them. They talk to them. And as they talk to them, they recognize, here's the second thing that happens. They recognize that they stood or they fell together. In verse 18, and are you now turning away from the Lord? If you rebel against the Lord today, tomorrow he will be angry with the whole community of Israel. If you rebel today, it's going to affect us all tomorrow. You don't have to read the New Testament even very closely to realize that we stand together as fellow followers of Jesus Christ. And when we allow Satan to get into our communications so that there's some kind of a war between us, it hurts our faith, it hurts our testimony, it hurts the body of Christ. We are one body hurt one part, all the parts hurt. Now, this may seem extremely small and simple, but what we're looking at here is the solution to 99% of our breakups. You go to the other person when you have a problem. You talk to them, and you realize that this isn't me against them. This is us together trying to work something out because we stand together as followers of Jesus Christ. So when you have a problem with someone, do you go to them? Or do you wait for them to come to you? Do you grumble about it to everyone else in the world? If you are following Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus, there is only one right answer when you have a problem with a fellow believer. You go to them. You go to them. When you go, there are some things that you can do in that communication to begin to break through the problems that we have. You strive, number three, for breakthroughs. Strive for breakthroughs. Anticipate breakdowns, avoid breakups, and then strive for breakthroughs. Here are these two groups in Israel struggling against each other. And in their struggle, they're having to try to figure out how in the world do we come to a good point of communication. And at the beginning, they're just angry. But at least they go, at least they talk. And out of that conversation, some good things happen. We're going to look at six, real quickly, six things that they did that you can learn from. First three are in verses that we've already read. In verse 14, what did they do that was smart here to strive for a breakthrough? They included all involved and only all involved. Verse 14, we just read, they included representatives of all the tribes. No one was left out and no other groups were added in. How often do we include everyone but the ones who need to be involved in solving a problem? Or how often do we not include the people that need to be involved? Of course, it's not gonna work if you don't have the right person in the conversation. So they included the people that need to be involved. The second thing that happened we saw in verse 15 is they walked to meet the other tribes. That simple thing they had to do, walk from one place to the other. Maybe their greatest asset was the long walk they had before they had the meeting. They took time in that walk. Time gave them an opportunity to approach the situation with more wisdom, with the calming of the spirit. They used up energy in that walk 
the anger that they'd had at Shiloh had some time to cool. I don't know what that means for you, but there needs to be some time between you when you have the instant reaction and you have the communication. Many times you'll read maybe an email or a text, and your instant reaction will be anger, and you'll start typing out as fast as you can the answer. Don't send that answer. You might even write it out. Well, that's even dangerous. You might accidentally send it. Don't send that answer. Give it some time. Let your emotions cool. That's the way we communicate with each other. And then they did a third thing. They asked before they attacked. What is this that you're doing, they said. What if they'd come, and instead of asking, they'd attacked first. They'd taken out their swords, and they'd run at the leaders of these tribes. Sometimes we subscribe to a no-questions-asked policy on our communications. We have it in our mind what happened and why it happened, and so we just run after the other person. Ask before you attack. I have been embarrassed, honestly, so many times at what I thought was the situation, only to ask and find out I had it totally wrong. What I was thinking is not what they were thinking at all. What I was thinking is not what the situation was at all. You only have to have that happen a few times to get the humility to ask before you attack. And then as we continue down through these verses, we see that they did three other things. The fourth thing they did is they offered an alternative. They offered an alternative. Verse 19, if the land you possess is defiled, come over to the Lord's land where the Lord's tabernacle stands and share this land with us. But do not rebel against the Lord or against us by building an altar for yourselves other than the altar of the Lord our God. They offered a compromise, an alternative. If you feel like the land you're on needs some kind of special altar because it's not God's land, you come on in and move in with us. Now, don't, don't miss the fact that that would mean some of them would have to give up some of their land in order to accomplish this because it was all divided up amidst the people of Israel. There would have to be a sacrifice in this compromise. But they were willing to offer an alternative, an alternative here that declared, I care more about you than about getting my way, about being right in this situation. Fifth thing they did is they, when the truth finally came out, they humbly admitted a misunderstanding. Listen to what these three tribes said in verse 22. The mighty one, God, the Lord, the mighty one, God, the Lord, he knows. And let Israel know. If this has been in rebellion or disobedience to the Lord, do not spare us this day. No, we did it for fear that someday your descendants might say to ours, what do you have to do with the Lord, the God of Israel? They weren't building an altar. They were building a witness, a place to say we are connected to the people of Israel. Down in verse 30, when Phinehas, the priest, and the leaders of the community, the heads of the clans of the Israelites, heard what Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh had to say, they were pleased. And Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the priest, said to Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, today we know that the Lord is with us, because you have not acted unfaithfully toward the Lord in this matter. Now you have rescued the Israelites from the Lord's hand. Phinehas says, we were wrong. We misunderstood you had a good reason for building this altar. How they handled that misunderstanding is all important because let's just admit it, it's embarrassing to get things wrong. And too often that embarrassment becomes the source of a prideful response. So when the other person even shows us wrong, we attack even more. We say things like, well, take the altar down anyway, instead of having the humility 
to recognize that we were wrong. The humility to recognize that we all make mistakes, we all struggle in our communication, is key to clear communication. And they had the strength from the Lord to humbly admit a misunderstanding. And then there's a sixth thing that they do. They reported the solution to all. In verse 32, then Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the priest, and the leaders returned to Canaan from the meeting with the Reubenites and Gadites and Gilead and reported to the Israelites. They were glad to hear the report and praised God. And they talked no more about going to war against them to devastate the country where the Reubenites and the Gadites lived. And the Reubenites and the Gadites gave the altar this name, a witness between us that the Lord is God. They brought back word to everyone, and that changed the heart and attitude of everyone. A lot of times, we proclaim our problems loudly, and then once we figure out that we've misunderstood, we don't tell very many people. That one, we just tell a few close friends. Let everyone know. Let everyone know. If you proclaim the problem, let everyone know how God has solved it. Leaving loose ends invites the problem to continue. Now, this has been a very quick look through this chapter. You realize we could have spent a lot of time on every one of these points, but maybe it's a good reminder to you today. In some situation, some circumstance, it's going to come about today or you've been living with. Just walk through these six things. Include all involved and only all involved. Take the time to let your spirit calm before you talk. Number three, ask before you attack. Number four, offer an alternative. Number five, humbly admit when there's a misunderstanding. And number six, report the solution to all. How you use your mouth determines in great measure how you will respond to God's promises. And you can get caught up the rest of your life in little conflicts with fellow believers and cheat them and cheat you out of living a life of God's promises. So are you misunderstanding and miscommunicating, resulting in bitterness and conflicts, or are you building up others? And as you do that, finding the strengthening of God's promise in your life and their lives as well. Lord Jesus, we come to you and we simply ask today, You'd help us to watch our words. You'd help us to communicate with wisdom, with grace, with love. We need your strength to do that. We can't do this on our own strength. So do in us what we cannot do for ourselves. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Tomorrow, we're going to look at how God's promises begin with God's choice. <laughs>